to today's edition of Daily in the Word. We're glad that you're with us today as we continue on after a little bit of a vacation break. We are in Genesis chapter 15, where Abram and the Lord strike a covenant. Actually, it's a very one-sided covenant the Lord makes with Abram. The Lord is the sole guarantor of the covenant as Abram is fallen asleep and the Lord completes the covenant on his own, which was, of course, his intention in doing this and making this covenant with Abram. But it is a rather remarkable covenant. So let's go ahead and begin reading Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick, dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. As I mentioned before, this is quite the significant passage of Scripture because it details God's covenant, very one-sided covenant, with Abram. 
And this is what becomes later known as the Abrahamic covenant, that God will fulfill to Abraham, to Israel, but it is a fulfillment that is still to even us future-related, as God has not yet fully given all that was promised to Abram in this passage to the nation of Israel, that will come during the kingdom, the millennial kingdom, when Jesus returns. But here is this promise that is repeated from chapter 12, now set again here in chapter 15. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. How can you give me this? Since I remain childless, Abram says to the Lord, this servant of mine, Eleazar of Damascus, he is the one who will inherit all that I have. You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, verse 4, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he takes him outside and he says, look up at the sky and count the stars. Of course, Abram wouldn't be able to do that in his night sky without the washing out of city lights or even neighborhood lights. He could look up into the night sky and see countless and countless numbers of stars. And God promised him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it. I struggle with saying that word all the time. He credited it to him as righteousness. When Abram believed God, God counted that faith toward his righteousness. Now, this is not because Abram believed in this moment. His faith, his belief came earlier on when God called him first out of Ur of the Chaldeans and then out of Hamar up to the north and east of the promised land. And when Abram simply trusted God, that's when God said, okay, I will now give to his account, credit to his account, my righteousness. And that's because no matter what age we find ourselves in, the way that we get heaven, the way that we get forgiven of our sin, the way that we get a relationship with the creator of the universe is through faith, through faith in him. And Abram believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. This is such a key statement. It's recorded in the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, and also in the book of James. This statement to demonstrate that Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, doesn't matter. We are all saved in the same way. Old Testament saints were not saved because they obeyed the law. None of us can do that, including Old Testament saints. So their only hope is the same as our only hope, through faith, faith in Jesus Christ who saves us. And for these Old Testament believers, it was faith in God's promise that he would bring a Redeemer, and he was going to fulfill all that he promised through him. So verse 7, God also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of 
Ur of the Chaldeans, that would have been reminiscent to Moses' readers as they had heard, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to give you this land to take possession of it. Very similar statement. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? And the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Now, this would have been a typical covenant that two nation states two kings of their regions or their local territories, they would strike a deal in this way, and they would take a heifer, they would take a goat, and they would take a ram, and they would cut them in half. It's very gruesome. Cut them in half, but not the two birds. And then they would walk between those cut animals as a way to solemnify, to officially say that, yes, this covenant has been reached. And it's why we use the phrase, cut a deal. That's literally what's happening here when God makes this covenant with Abram. He is cutting this covenant with Abram, the word cut having to do with cutting the animals in half. And then, much to Abram's dismay, these unclean birds of prey came on the carcasses, and Abram has to drive them away. That was a foreboding thing that was happening. What's that about? And then Abram falls into a deep sleep as the sun is setting, and a thick and dreadful darkness comes over Abram in that moment. What is that about? What is that foreboding? And then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. So God tells Abram what's going to happen to his descendants later on. Of course, this was God speaking of what would happen to them in Egypt, that they would be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, mistreated there, oppressed there. But God would punish that nation, and they would come out with great possessions, and they would take the land. Abram, of course, would not be old enough to see that. He would die beforehand, but he would die in peace, and he would be buried at a good old age. And then the fourth generation from that, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure." God was going to use the nation of Israel, led by Joshua, going into the promised land to carry out his judgment on the Amorites because of how terribly wicked they were. And yet their sin had not yet in Abram's time reached its full measure, but the Lord knew what was coming, and God was going to use Joshua and the Israelites as his arm of judgment against the Amorites when they would go into the promised land. So the sun had set, darkness had fallen, and God, in the appearance of a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch, this is the fire of God, it appeared and it passed between the cut pieces of these animals. So God strikes this covenant makes this covenant with Abram 
Verse 18, on that day the Lord made, literally cut, a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants I give this land. And then he gives the boundaries from the Wadi of Egypt, that's one of the rivers in Egypt, not the Nile, to the great river Euphrates, that's up into what is modern-day Iraq, the land of the Kenites and the Kenizzites, and you have all of these ites, tribes' names that God gives to them. And so this border for the promised land, Israel has never occupied this entire territory, but they certainly will in the coming kingdom of Christ. Now it's interesting concerning this covenant, this one-way covenant with Abram. In Hebrews 6.13, it says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, God swore by himself. It was his oath by himself that God made to Abram, and that sealed the covenant. It was completely unconditional on Abraham's part. It's completely unconditional in the same way that our salvation is unconditional. Once we have our saving faith in Christ, he saves us. It is unconditional. There is nothing that we can do to add to it or take away from it. It is God's promise to us to give us life, everlasting, eternal life, not conditional life, but everlasting life. Lord, thank you so much for this covenant that pictures for us today so much in terms of our own relationship with you. You cut this covenant with Abram in such a way as to demonstrate that you will follow through with your promise. And it wasn't dependent upon whether or not Abram obeyed. And Lord, what a picture of our own salvation that you promise to us eternal life, and when we place our faith, our trust in you, you provide it, and it's unconditional. And we thank you for that, Lord. There is nothing that we can do to earn your salvation. There is nothing that we can do to keep your salvation. We are kept for your promise. We are part of your family, and you have given us eternal life never to take it away from us. Lord, this is your promise. This is your covenant, your new covenant with us, that by faith, just like Abraham, just as Abram believed you and it was credited to him as righteousness, the same is true for us. And we thank you for that. And we love you. And we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you again for listening here today on Daily in the Word. What a great chapter this is. What a great promise it was made to Abram. And what a great promise it is made to us that when we put our faith, our trust in Christ, he saves us. And we are so grateful for that. I look forward to seeing you again next time here on Daily in the Word as we dive into Genesis chapter 16. And until then, I pray that you have a great day. We'll see you then. 
Take care.